Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. One man's journey to find it. It is December the 30th, 2015. And once again, as always, I have a special guest. And um, this time we'll be talking to uh, Brad Warnholt, uh, excuse me, Brad. <laughs> but before we get going and uh, me introducing Brad, uh, I want to read an article, something that's been mulling in my mind, and I think it would be a great uh, advantage for all to hear. Um, you can find this on globefire.tv. Um, it's um, nj05 en slash history slash star dash david htm anyways and uh, the national journal where does the uh, star david come from surprising revelations about the origin of the state's symbol by dr israel shah i guess hooked hooked like that is s-h-a h-a-k T, I believe it is. So, <clears throat> anyways, I find this very fascinating, and it's a connection because one of the things I've been discovering through my journey, folks, and mostly you have as well, listening to this show, um, that um, there's been a long war going on between two groups of people for over 2,000, probably 2,300 to 2,400 years, probably minimum, and that would be the Roman Empire. And Israel <laughs> it has not ceased one bit, and we're going to learn a little bit more of what happened once again at the beginning stages of the Reformation slash Counter-Reformation and how it affects our lives in more ways than we can imagine. Anyways, and in, in 1998, the modern state of Israel celebrated its 50th birthday. The Western world joined the celebration accordingly, and including many practicing Christians. One could observe, especially in bookstores, quantities of large stars of David exhibit, exhibited in the display windows as, why, as, uh, as eye-catchers in order to announce newly published books, which praise the history of the Zionist state. It is not the only point of criticism that uh, Israel's history is explained rather one-sidedly in these books, especially by eliminating the fate of the eternal loser in the Middle East conflict, the Palestinians. Another critique deals with the fact that in Western countries, fortunately, no one gets angry about advertisements using the Star of David, but that's on the but that on the other hand, public displays of Christian crucifix in Israel will lead to vi- violent protest and even uh, measures by the legislation. Now, before I go any further, folks, and I'm not saying yay or nay to any of this. I'm just to this man's insights in his opinion so I still find it fascinating and interesting this religion's discrimination in Israel is not perceived outside of Israel because the victims 
of the past are not allowed to be criticized today. The insight that it was the Catholic order or the Jesuits that selected the Star of David as the Jewish symbol is rather amusing, if not downright ironic. The fact about the question how the Star of David evolved and how it was accepted by the Jews as, quote, quote theirs, and the quote, symbol, are found only in uh, contributions by good Israeli historians published in specialized Israeli historical magazines. First of all, it is necessary to realize that the Hebraic, as well as the Yiddish name for the symbol is actually, quote, shield of David, end quote. I don't know why it was finally called, quote, Star of David, end quote. It should be noted that during the antiquity and the Middle Ages, the Jews possessed neither a national nor a religious symbol, even though various symbols were occasionally used, uh, mostly the seven-armed uh, chandelier, I guess as was pronounced, uh, uh, the official symbol of Israel, and the mounting lion. The history of the Shield of David begins in Prague in the year eight, excuse me, 1648, during the last year of the Thirty Years' War. Prague was besieged by the Swedish army. The town was mainly defended by uh, Prague's citizen militia, which included a Jewish unit. This was the case until the days of uh, Maria Theresa, I guess it was, who terminated the participation of Jews in the militia. Because the Swedes did not succeed in taking the city, German Emperor uh, Ferdinand, Ferdinand III decided to assign honor flags and other decorations to all units of the citizens' militia in accordance with their self-defined affiliations. This included the Jews. However, no one in Vienna knew what kind of symbol to put on the flag, which was to be assigned to the Jews. Even the, the family Oppenheimers, the emperor's court Jews, did not know what to do. In their helplessness, they turned to the scholarly Jesuits in Vienna to find a Jewish symbol. They finally came to the conclusion that King David must have had the first and last letters of his name, D, on his shield. They knew that the Jewish alphabet transformed towards Aramaic, Aramaic around uh, the year 400 B.C., although the earlier alphabet was still used during festive occasions. Ancient Jewish coins, excuse me, ancient Jewish coins, for example, are inscribed with these old letters, which are identical with the Punic letters. In this alphabet, the letter D is a triangle similar, similar to today's Greek delta, which is a, a 
which is a uh, square, kind of like, or not a square, a triangle, like you may see the all and I thing. Therefore, they superimpose two triangles, which form the shield of David. This was then embroidered on the Jewish flag and presented to the Jews in Prague as an honorable distinction for their duty for their country. The Jews, in turn, liked this symbol, and their scholarly rabbis understood its meaning, since the transformation of the Jewish alphabet was also mentioned in the Talmud. So, uh, this new symbol began to spread to those towns, which had ties with Prague. It was used in synagogues and during festive occasions. One of these towns was Frankfurt on Main. When the Frankfurt family Rothschilds was ennobled in the early 19th century, they placed the Jewish symbol already fashioned at the time on their coat of arms. Since then, the symbol has spread like wildfire to all Jewish communities, including non-European, especially because the Rothschild family had a considerable reputation among the Jews at the time. It was even reported in remote communities that the shield had magic powers, and there were stories, for example, in Yemen, in which an ancestor of the Rothschild family succeeded in exercising a devil from the emperor's daughter, etc., the Jews actually never heard of, never heard of, or used these this symbol before the year 1848. Excuse me, 1648. I messed that up again. With the exception of the time between 700 and 400 BC, when it was used by Jews as well as non-Jews in magic spells. In any case, it is rather amusing to know that. The Jewish symbol, which is today on the flag of Israel, was actually given prominence by Venetian or Venice Jesuits as demanded by the German emperor. It is not maintained today that Israel, in Israel that this symbol has an, an, an antique origin because many Israelis are interested in Jewish history and are active as hobby archaeologists and such as an allegation would be quickly exposed as a lie. Therefore, the origin of the symbol is simply ignored. Even the Zionist movement did not use the shield of David until the death of its founder, Herzl. Herzl's flag was the lion rampant and surrounded by seven, five, pronged stars. However, David Wolfson, or son, Wolfson, the ancestor of Herzl, who paid more attention to Jewish sensitivity, created the flag, which later was accepted by the state of Israel. The white background with the blue bands on the edge correlates to today's Jewish prayer scarf. The coloring originates, however, from, of course, the Roman toga, where the violet was replaced with blue, 
as this special blue it is, perf- is a, a preferred, preferred Jewish color for reasons unknown to me at this time. End of article. What I find fascinating that you look at the <clears throat> UN flag with the same coloration of a white background with the blue, a special blue, and that it once again, ever all roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter what it is. People will blame the Jews for everything, but at the end of the day, all roads lead to Rome, folks. Even the flag is designed by Jesuits and coloration, not based on Jewish tradition, but Roman tradition, a Roman toga. Something to think about. Whether you agree with it or not, from my research, one thing I have discovered is that at least the Star of David was created by Jesuits and that it was one of their creations, and they're heavily influenced in the state of Israel. Now with that, once again, we've got Brandon, uh, not Brandon, Brad. I want to say Brandon again. I keep doing that. I'm sorry, man. Vornhall, yeah. uh, and uh, I, thank you, Brad, uh, Brad for joining me. Uh, you uh, are a very interesting man, I'm to say the least. And uh, the other night, I, I believe it was your article, was it not, that I read? Um, that one being, let me find this before I... Um, the Four Angels Publication.com article, Lunar Sabbath, SDA, which is the Lunar Sabbath and the SDA Church. Was that what you wrote? Uh, I did. I, I contributed it. Um, it was. Uh, uh, it was. Um, it was uh, an article that was written to uh, kind of shine some light on the, the the treatment of family members. And thank you for the kind introduction and that uh, interesting uh, read that you just did that did there on the origins of that. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people don't know. You know what I mean? They don't realize how. Is that what we see is, you know, they always like to point the finger, well, let's face it, at the Jewish people. So <laughs> they, never, they never, you know, we never consider, you know, the effects, you know, history. And history has been this long struggle of, of Rome trying to tame Israel, the Jews, and how they have managed to survive, survive all this time. And it's worthy of noting what's really going on. Um, so yeah, and but you know the other thing is too. Uh, Brad is also you're a contributor to the um, the book, um, uh, the destruction of the Sabbath, right? Uh, yes, that's that's correct. I worked with uh, Chris Chairman um, of the Chronicle Project on that book. That was a that was a, a really fun fun project. Explored a, explored a lot and learned so much in the uh, research. Yeah, you- you guys opened up a can of worms, what you did. That's <laughs> fascinating. No, really, for everyone, whether it's you know, the Jewish community, uh, the Protestant community, uh, the Catholic community, even if you're not religious, you guys opened up a can of worms here with what you guys are discovering with this ancient Hebrew stuff. Do you have a, your own website? Uh, no, not at this time. I, um, uh, I, I Yeah, I don't... Not not for not for the uh, not not for this. So the the 
the you know this is a uh, a labor of passion and and love and interest and in learning about the world that we have been brought into and and so lie to about yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to be laughing, but there's something else you can really do at this point. Me, all of my research I've done is just one lie after another. Anyways, um, well, it's interesting about symbols, you know, and these symbols and how how powerful they are, um, and how there can be so much information packed into one symbol, and oftentimes we don't even know. Um, where they come from and what they what they do to our subconscious and and how often uh, once you become more symbol literate how often these symbols get presented to you in unsuspecting places to help sell the agenda or the story you're right i mean you think about it so the jesuits created this hexagram and, and anybody's done just a little bit of research to discover, you know, about this symbol and how it just equates to six, six, six all over it. Right. And then if you do the research that I've done, and from my conclusion, there's a big part of this number, six, six, six. Whether one wants to contend it or not, that's fine. But the Latin man uh, it's been part of the Roman tradition and part of the Roman authority and power structure that they use this number over and over again and they love their symbols that equate to 666 yeah it's amazing how 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 prevalent it is everywhere and they try to hide it in plain sight and stick it in your face whenever they possibly can um, even I haven't seen the movie yet. I've only seen some screenshots of it, but uh, or some images of it. But you know, the the most recent Star Wars movie, the 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 symbol uh, behind, you know, on the big curtain behind for the evil empire is a hexagram, and they stick that in our face in a very popular. Look, so if, if you look at like Elmer Pike's agenda that he, you know, to Messini, whether people want to believe it or not, it's falling into place. And I really believe that what their agenda, at least Rome's agenda, I don't know what God's agenda is in the end, of course. Um, none of us will until it's finished and done. But I believe Rome created the state of Israel as a big giant concentration camp. And I really believe they have had a hate for the Jews for so long. And they are trying to figure it out a way to, to really make a big impact on it. You know, and it, Albert Pike says this is the agenda, that the, the Zionists would fight against the Muslims and the whole point would destroy the state of Israel. This is 1871. He was already talking about a state of Israel. They are the ones that have been talking about the state of Israel long before even the Jewish leadership got involved with it. And in these, you know, supposed, you know, Protestants and everyone else. I don't know if you realize that or not, but, you know, I, I don't know what you think about it, but it looks like um, it's clear to me what they're doing. You know, their agitation, put him in that situation, put him in a situation. Along with the poor Palestinians, you know, but, you know, it's just Muslims killing Muslims, Jews killing Jews, Jews killing Muslims, Jews. And you know, it's just, it's, they've created this situation knowing Full well the volatility of it, and with the whole desire of it being the ignition switch for World War Three, their desire, their plan, 
to get rid of all of them, including they want to get rid of the Catholic Church. So no one's accepted this, and they want to have this new world order. It's pretty much based on more of a, well, the old uh, Babylonian religion of Satanism, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, that's, that's the, the classic way of, of everything that we've seen since is as far back as I may have access to history is it's always this divide and conquer the left, the left and the right. And, and they, they distract us with this um, d- division and get us arguing uh, amongst ourselves over things that, you know, quite frankly, don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but we get caught up in it and entangled in it. And, and while all along they're running around behind the scenes doing whatever they want and enslaving us and taking us down the path. And, uh, you know, you know, we each have a left leg and a right leg and we can, um, make a step to the left and we can make a step to the right. But when we walk left and right, we walk in a straight line. So, all right. Interesting, interesting analogies. It makes me think you have the left hand path and the right hand path. But hey, before we get get going, I, what I'd like to do is for you to spend a couple minutes here and and, and introduce yourself to the folks who uh, are listening and who will be listening. Um, who you are, what's your background, before we get going, so that we have some continuity of this conversation that we're going to have, because uh, there's some heavy stuff, folks, that we're going to be talking about with Brad. <laughs> really heavy stuff. That's going to, it's going to make a lot of people upset on all sides. But you know, that's usually what the truth does: makes everyone upset. And you know what I mean? So upsets the, the apple cart. So let's see. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about you, okay? Um, yeah. Um... Uh, I'd like to swing back to this, this discussion about the Jewish state and the m- manipulation of the Jewish people as well. I think there's a, a little bit more to touch on there. That uh, that's, what, that's why I chose. I realized. Well, I mean, actually, to be honest with you, a lot of times I think it's the spirit of God that motivates me more than anything. But I, you know, as I'm reading it, as, as I was reading, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like a great article for this our discussion, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, a little little bit about me i was um um, multi-generation born and raised in the seventh Adventist church um and uh, grew up in a a small small community and and uh was a um involved in the church family was involved in the church parents were involved in the church doing stop smoking clinics uh, in the social hall and um, really involved in the community and uh, um, in fact the, the the church in that county in that part of the country actually started out um, as a small gathering in our family's uh, living room oh, and, wow. yeah and eventually it, it grew into uh, a place that was was larger than what would accommodate the people in in our living room and uh, uh, the conference um, the Seventh Adventist Conference uh, decided to bring their volunteer forget what it was called but they had a volunteer arm of that would go around and build build churches through volunteer help 
And so they built a church in the community, and I was involved in that. And I remember being up on the roof uh, laying Cedar Shake on um, May 18, 1980, um, when Mount St. Helens blew, and and hearing about that and seeing the, the dark clouds coming. And uh, so uh, also being born and raised um, a vegetarian, um, my grandparents, my parents were vegetarians. My grandparents were vegetarians. So a long history in the, in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, as I got older um, and started, got my driver's license and kind of moved out, started moving out into the world and uh, experiencing other people out, out and about and in life, um, started recognizing that there's, amazing, kind, loving, uh, patient people in the world that uh, just, you know, salt of the earth, great people. And, I, you know, I, I don't think this was a teaching from my parents, but, um, you know, when you're in an, in, in an organization like that, things can be, be said or implied without them actually being said or implied. Um, uh, you know, you know, like these people are, you know, they're sinners. They don't believe the way we do. They don't go to church on the day that we go to. And so, um, got, very quickly got a, uh, um, and then I went away to college and I, uh, was working in the fashion industry at the time and had the latest fashionable clothes on and I had long, long hair and decided to go to the local church um, and felt out of place because, um, you know, my long hair and I was in there. I'm a big guy. Um, And so I I just didn't feel the welcoming uh, feeling that I felt in the church churches that I grew up in. Right. Right. So I'm like, man, this, you know, this really isn't for me. And so I stepped away and went about my life in, in a, uh, in a worldly way, I guess you could say it. Um, that's a, to me, that sounds like a, um, organized religion term to label, uh, people outside the church. But, um, uh, so I proceeded in my life with that and, um, had been, primarily self-employed, started and ran businesses over the years. And uh, so got involved in the car business and spent um, 16 and a half years in the car business. And it was in the 2006 to 2008 notice that the car business was probably starting to uh, go sideways. And uh, so started looking for ways to get out and, uh, um, there was a time, I think it was in, it was about 2000, latter part of 2004, first, first part of 2005, I had grown my business, uh, to the point of really, really successful doing, you know, in a worldly way, um, quotes around the quotes around the statement, um, 
I was successful. I had arrived. I, I, I was living the American dream. I was successful, right? Um, and I remember driving up 101 in California and thinking, you know, there's not anything I can buy right now. There's not any place I want to go um, that I have that I can't go. There's not anything I can't buy that I don't really, you know, I have what I need. I don't, there's nothing I don't want to buy. And I was on the way up to the country club that I was a member at to play golf. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not, I've arrived. And then I remember thinking, I'm not happy. And so that was a real moment of epiphany for me to think that, hey, I've done everything that the world says that I'm supposed to do to be successful and to be happy, yet I wasn't happy. And I built a business that I was a slave to, and I wasn't experiencing life. I wasn't experiencing friends and family. I wasn't experiencing the things that we're created for, right? I was just just a slave to my business and to the government paying my taxes and doing my thing. And that was a, a, a real quite, quite understanding because I struggled my whole life to get to that point. And then to realize that, hey, I've arrived and this, this isn't what they say, it's, say it is. Um, so I started looking for other businesses and looking around. And then uh, it was in the 2006-2008 when the, uh, things started really, credit started tightening and things started getting really difficult in the car business. Um, and uh, um, I was... I built my business on being transparent, you know, having a religious, a strict religious upbringing and a, a, a great foundation of morals and stuff. I quickly recognized in the business, if I could build a business being transparent, honest, and, and accountable, um, I could probably sell a lot of cars and move a lot of cars. And sure. And, um, I did. And I was really successful at it for quite a long time. Um, but I wasn't that conservative. Like I said, I was, I was living the worldly life and I, you know, I'd make some money and I'd spend some money and I, you know, this, this was great. Um, when credit started tightening, the, the people that I saw, some of the old timers would come to me and say, hey, listen, there's some storm clouds coming. We saw, we saw this before, you know, button down your hatches, you know, so you can ride out the storm. And I'm like, ah, I'm doing great. I, you know, I'm buying and selling cars. I can, uh, you know, I, I, I'll just buy them for less money and sell them for less money. I'll still make some money. Um, but uh, that didn't work out. A couple of franchise dealerships went out of business and, and ended up dragging me down with them, um, to make a long story short. Um, and I remember coming out of that experience um, and thankfully the, 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 um, the creator, uh, he led me into another business, into technology, app development, and website development, which I've been doing since 2000, latter part of 2008. Um, I remember looking back at that experience 
and and seeing the people that weathered the storm. Um, it was the people that were super, super conservative. They saved every little penny. Um, it was very, very careful, uh, very under the radar, just really ultra simple. Um, and then the other the other extreme was was the the people that were as crooked as as crooked as possible. I mean, literally, if you know they could be thrown in jail for the 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 kinky deals that they would do to make to to make you know in their car deals, and they could lose their dealer's license and stuff. And I I found that quite eye opening, and started started really questioning between the experience of saying I'd, I'd arrived and not feeling happy then seeing how people survived that economic downturn and, you know, really having to question everything. And um, it was a difficult time. I decided to start going back to church and um, was hearing things being said in the church in, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that weren't the things that I remember hearing as a, as a young man. Hmm. And um, was a, a little bit um, disenchanted again uh, with it. Like, you know, this just doesn't really add up still. It still doesn't quite make sense. And um, my uh, sister and mother, right around that same time, were... Uh, writing a book, uh, The Great Calendar Controversy, and um, Calendar Fraud, if I remember correctly. Um, And uh, they were talking about how they had discovered a study um, that the Seventh-day Adventist Church had done to try to determine and establish the validity of the um, October 22nd, 1844 date. Um, And in the study of that, they discovered that the only way that they could arrive at that was through not a Roman calendar, but a lunar calendar, the same ancient calendar that most civilizations have used. Um, And through... Uh, and so uh, to make a long story short, I went home one Christmas and, and they were fully following this older calendar, uh, this lunar calendar and keeping a Sabbath off of the calendar um, of the ancients and um, thriving and happy and successful and healthy, um, you know, life successful um, and I was already, you know, a year into the app development business and understood apps and technology. And I went home for the holidays and they were having a hard time trying to determine the beginning of the month off of the, off of the, uh, off of the moon um, because they couldn't see it. Um, and so I started looking around for computer programs and, and uh, applications that could assist them in that and couldn't find any. And 
flippantly made the statement, I think I can make that computer program. Um, and they're like, well, great. Uh, they were doing some writing for a gentleman. They were employed by a, uh, uh, a gentleman to do some uh, re- um, some biblical history writing and, and writing on on the calendar and stuff like that. And so they offered offered to hire me and my developers to write this computer program. And I was still partially gone to the Seventh-day Adventist church after returning, you know, returning back to it after many years away. And I wanted to make the, wanted to really make a, a concerted effort to figure out whether what they were doing with this lunar calendar was correct um, before I wrote a computer program because I didn't want to write a computer program that would help a bunch of people um, do things wrong or lead them astray. So I went into it um, trying to prove this idea of a lunar calendar to locate and find Sabbath um, to prove, prove it wrong. And the deeper I dug and the harder I looked, the more and more information I could find to that made it just painfully obvious that it was absolutely correct. And um, so that was an, another ex- interesting moment in life um, to recognize that this church that for generations I had been brought up in had um, made a concerted effort to hide truth and hide fact. And also there's, you know, just scratch the surface and look, barely look under the surface. And there's so many um, historical facts and, and scientific facts that make it this, this world, this plane, this earth that we live on, a perfect, beautiful place organized and ordered by um, the creator's calendar. And uh, so I proceeded to write that computer program with my team, and um, that was a was a fun, challenging, fun, challenging project, and uh, to to learn how perfectly ordered uh, the solar system is, and the workings on planet Earth here was was really empowering in my thinking about you know, the, the creator of this world and, and how amazing it is. Right. It's, it's, uh, talking about the heavens there and talking about these celestial bodies, like, uh, the moon in particular. I mean, you, you start looking at these things, you start to realize, um, you combine with the flat earth model, all that, that, uh, all the, it's not just by happenstance. It's not just by coincidence. Uh, the reason why we see that moon and only one face of the moon and the phases of that face of the moon, there's a reason behind it, beyond happenstance that God mm-hmm. had a purpose for it. So um, so how long have you been uh, trying to live this uh, lunar calendar model? I've been living it since uh, probably... 
summer, fall 2009. And so it's been a while. It's been six years. So you have plenty of life experience at this point trying to do it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I've uh, it, it's it's been a, a a magnificent blessing in my life. Um, actually, um, I haven't. I've been. I've caught the cold twice in in that time frame. Um, I used to catch a cold two or three times a year um, or a flu, and um, there, I believe that you know. Every time that I look into what the what God has asked us to do, it isn't out of some arrogant ego, like, hey, I want you to bow down and worship me. Um, like, organized religion would have you think. Like, he's, you got to fear him, like he's some ogre in the sky that's going to strike you down when he gets a chance. Um, the, the laws that he's laid down for us are to 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 guide us and keep us safe um, while we um, uh, navigate through this this realm and this life. Right. So it says some kind of real it's uh, oppressive religious uh, ri- ri- uh, ritual for you. It's more of a just. Uh, a way of life to keep you in tune with God, right? Well, it, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, to expand upon that a little bit more, we are, if, if we need a machine made by a man, which would be um, a watch um, or a piece of paper that gets printed new every year to know what day it is and what time of day it is, the person that's making that machine or the people that are making that machine and printing that calendar, um, we're followers of them and we're enslaved to what they tell us the day is and when it is and how it is and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you go back and look at some of the history, and we talk about this in in um, the destruction of Sabbath. You know, the the powers that be back then would postpone uh, the start of the month, or uh, they would they would change the calendar around so much just because it helped them in their power struggles. Uh, amongst themselves and they wanted to hold on to their power a little bit longer because of, you know, the, the, the leader of the Sanhedrin or the, the, the head of the, the country or whatever. They would, they would constantly manipulate it around. Um, but what a loving creator and God who puts a timepiece up in the sky that cannot be manipulated or controlled by a man and the 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 kid out on the hillside watching the flock of goats can look up in the sky and know exactly what time it is and not have to be reliant on someone telling him what time it is. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, you look at the um the calendars there uh, you mentioned the Jewish authorities are 
at the time, a couple thousand years ago, and even probably present. Uh, but the big thing is the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar, and regardless, uh, all these calendars are calendars for the slave class. Really what it is, it's to help the ruling elite to manage the slave class with their agendas, you know, to get what they want done. And so, yeah, I, I, it's common sense, really, for me, that God would give us something that would keep us, in, you know, independent of other men, especially because of the fact of how corrupt men are, <laughs> all of us. Yeah, and all of us, you know, and you know, we're all capable of lying. Many, we're all, all of us are guilty of lying, whether we intended or not. We're spreading all sorts of uh, fables and. And just, you know, man-made ideas around that have no basis in an actual reality that you can verify empirically with your own eyes, your own senses. God gave you eyes and God gave you your senses for a reason. And sure, he gave us that moon for a reason. And so it makes a lot of sense to me. I've been struggling with this issue for a year because, you know, I recognize the value of keeping the Sabbath as a way to have a personal expression to show my gratitude and my, you know, worship God and, my, and, and at least more in line with his way instead of other men's way. So, but just how to go about it and do it has been a real struggle for me and it's been a real rewarding thing though so now i discovered after because you know last year i was trying to keep the set the saturday sabbath and i just noticed that i was just being a hypocrite and couldn't do it and everyone around me wasn't doing it we were just you know so well this is our day you know what i mean and this is who we are you know what i mean and quite frankly even said they have and it's church and it's overwhelming evidence that it was infiltrated if not, if not at the very beginning by the Jesuits, it certainly at this point is controlled by the Jesuits. And what does that really mean in the end of the day? Well, folks, we live in a Jesuit-run Roman Catholic country. Whether you want to believe it or not, I got a mountain of evidence to prove it. Yeah. And so do you if you just open up your eyes. Yeah. And you don't need to have all kinds of fairies and all that kind of stuff. You can just use your senses so yeah you know so clearly the Seventh-day Adventist church anyway start from the beginning of the corrupt is as you brought out in the um, and you know, how your, your your sister and your mother wrote this book uh, just exposing the corruption actually from the very get-go with this whole Saturday uh, nonsense you know and I got the, the a year ago, it was really strong for me as I started, you know, this Saturday, Sunday thing has to come from Rome. First of all, we're talking about days of their week. And, you know, they're arguing about things, something that cannot be true. So I just abandoned it and said, you know what, God, I'll wait until the time comes when I can hear more truth. You know, and understand, you know, what's really going on. Because, God, you know, first of all, one of the things... Why would they operate on a Gregorian calendar? Why would they operate on the Julian Gregorian calendar? Why? They wouldn't. They were desert dwellers to 3,000 years ago. Abraham had no idea who. There was no such thing as a Gregorian calendar in Abraham's time. There was no Greek <laughs> or Moses' time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just. Uh, there was no Julian calendar either. I mean, no. There was none of those calendars. And, and you know, the, 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 the most ancient calendars, I think that. 
that are recorded if if you want to believe the modern day archaeologists would would be stuff in in china and and you know that those are those were lunar calendars yeah well it's just common sense that all uh cultures and <clears throat> were operating prior to the infiltration and domination of the Roman Empire under a more natural, logical, uh, harmonic uh, calendar with the uh, the heavenly bodies. So right. they would not need to have um, <clears throat> what we have today, as you mentioned. But the problem is, you got a guy like me who lives in a very overcast place. I, I would need to have and the help of other men to even know what day the Sabbath would be based on the lunar calendar. So you said you brought up, you you created a program, right? Um, yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to just make one more thing before we move on. I'm happy to talk about the technology of that because it's, it's actually quite fun um, for me. Um, but, you know, we, we one of the blessings I've found with, with keeping this lunar Sabbath is that you can watch hours and hours of uh, quotes on YouTube from celebrities saying that I sold my soul to the devil so I could I could eat here I could have this and all this success right yeah and they're not they're not just saying that they actually have <laughs> right it's absolutely. real it's yeah, actually it real it is absolutely real. And, you know, if we recognize that there are, you know, and then what, what was it? Lucifer took Jesus up on a high mountain and said, I'll give you this whole kingdom. Uh, just bow down to me. And his response is, yeah, no, thanks. My kingdom's not of this world. Um, you know, and then we look at the, we look at uh, in Ephesians, so it was six six twelve. you know, um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood or principalities or powers or rule, but, but of powers of rulers of darkness, something along those lines and, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So, you know, Lucifer doesn't offer this kingdom to Yahshua if he's not the ruler of this kingdom, right? So, to me, the, the lunar Sabbath is is a a way of sing, signaling a sign, um, uh, a mark, if you will. I don't really like to use the word mark, but um, but a way to very uh, seven day Adventist, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a way to say I play for this team, right? I'm I'm in this court, I'm in this house, I'm in this this is how I order my life. Um and I'm under the authority of the creator of the most high and you can't touch me. So um and you know these people that sell their soul to the devil have that same kind of feeling but they're playing for the other side. Um so that's from the studying that I've done about how this place works and and the powers that be of this place. Uh, 
for me, that's been a real blessing and very empowering and, and a confidence builder in, in day-to-day life, knowing that, you know, I'm firmly in the camp, I believe firmly in the camp of the most high. So, um, well, yeah, you know, he's the one that, uh, well, I, you know, there's, I guess there's other kind of opinions and points of view, but ultimately, uh, he is the one responsible for where we live, uh, in this, this, this beautiful creation, the world that we live in, all the animals, creatures, the heavenly bodies, etc. So, um, I think that we, I personally feel that we should be as close as and connected to what he has actually given us that's of true value, which is that of life, the representation of life. And what we live in in the satanic world is, and how I see it, is that Satan is the one who, yes, he rules over all these different, um, well, first of all, you, you know, the, these kingdoms, these uh, em- man-made empires, the, uh, the brick and mortar, if you will, uh, even the technology that we're going to be talking about here, uh, ultimately, it is him and his uh, minions that, that you know, they have this desire. I guess it comes back to the ultimate goal for Satan and uh, the minions to have this transhumanism, this whole kind of singularity. Uh, somehow, in, in, anyways, in the end, we're, um, you know, because you hear this constant message that God uh, created, you know, a failure, you know, that we're not a perfect design already and that we need to be improved and somehow man will be able to override God's design and make us live for a very, very long time and maybe they will allow us to exist on this planet longer but is it really living or is it just being you know, enslaved in the satanic system? So, yeah, it's um, I mean, to me it's a no-brainer it's just no brainer, it's, and it's. I don't even think it's a. It's a you, you know, this whole thing about the lunar calendar it doesn't even sound religious to me. It's just, just common sense. Yeah. If yeah. If you believe in a creator, if you believe in a creator God, you believe in somebody, yes, uh, an intelligent designer, then then that intelligent designer created that moon for a reason. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I think I think a lot of life on this planet, you know, in this realm uh this plane this earth place is uh um is well it's all his creation and so if we if he wants us to order our lives in a certain manner that's because it's for our own good for the for the the perseverance of his creation right um like if i uh, if i created a a car and I told you it ran on gasoline and you're like, yeah, I don't want to put gasoline in it. I don't want to put water in it or I want to put diesel in it or, you know, put something else in it. Um, you know, I'm only telling you to put gasoline in it because I created it because it works on gasoline. Right. I'm not telling you because I want to some authority or power. You know what I'm saying? over you to dominate you and punish you if you don't put uh, gasoline in your car. It's a funny analogy. Yeah, well, you know, in a day, you know, the sun shines on all, right? So it's just a matter. 
you know, whether whether were Satan servants or those who believe and try to serve, uh, I don't know, Yahuwah, um, uh, our Heavenly Father. Um, so, you know, what do you do? I mean, I think it's one of those things that uh, I think is a natural progression that one goes, if one gets to the point, if you're really searching for the truth, you're going to, and you start really, especially without this flat earth issue, too. It really ties in a lot with the uh, lunar calendar, and so uh, anyway, it's you know talk about how I, I was I was someone to actually, and if, I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, I, I was just gonna say, you know, on this, uh, on to some while well, I was searching out the the math and the technology to be able to um, uh, track this calendar and 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 use this calendar. Um, on a computer program, some of the research that I was doing and looking into came across some really interesting stuff about um, there's hunting and fishing charts out there um, that mainstream scientists uh, have discovered that uh, fish and animals um, move about Earth uh, based on phases and cycles of the moon. Um, and uh, there's a, a website um, by a, a, a guy by the name of Mark Vitt um, has a website called uh, U.S. Prime Times. And he wrote a little web app um, that allows you to put in your location and see the best times to fish and to hunt um, based off of the positions of the moon and the phases of the moon. And uh, I was talking to him a few months ago, and he was telling me that um, uh, when he was doing his research, I, I believe it was in Colorado, if I remember correctly, uh, he said it was literally like a zoo out there. If you would go out there in the morning um, with the moon went in the proper phase and the moon overhead or um, as he called it underfoot. Um, so depending on the alignment of the moon with your position, uh, he said you could go out there and it was literally like a, a zoo out there that wildlife was absolutely everywhere. And one of the other interesting studies that I came across, there was, I think it's, Boston University. I don't. I don't remember now because it's been so many years. But there was a couple studies done on water uptake um, in bean plants, and they noticed they noticed that bean plants um, uptook water into their into the stock of the plant on a seven-day cycle based off of um, phases of the moon. Uh, another study that I found out there from another university with girth of trees. Um, they discovered that trees uptake water um, near, on a nearly seven-day cycle um, uh, based off of phases of the moon. So if all this life on planet Earth is moving about and drinking water, um, and I'm part of this creation, I, I probably ought to be ordering my life uh, around that same mechanism. So... <clears throat> About this computer program, really interesting because, like, how, do you, how, where does one access this computer program? 
Um, I the the one the 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 gentleman that asked me to build it for him uh, uh, changed. It was originally. This is a tough one here. Um, it was originally designed to um, start at the beginning of the year, um, and I'm probably going to mess up some of my facts here, but um, it was supposed to, when you start the beginning of the year, it's supposed to be after the, after the, the, um, uh, spring equinox, um, March 20th, 21st. It needs to be later than that when it starts. Um, one of the indicators um, that the Karaite Jews use to make sure that it's late enough is the, the ripeness of the barley um, because you can't have barley too young because one of the first um, offerings that Creator asked of your crop was the, the first fruits. So it has to be late enough in spring um, to be able to have some harvest of your first crops. Um, uh, so there was some, and the, the studies that the Seventh-day Adventist Church did in trying to figure out the calendar and, and index the calendar calendar to the metonic cycle, which is a 19-year cycle. Um, when you're working with a lunar calendar, the, the Islam has, has a lunar calendar for their, their days, um, for their celebrations and stuff, um, but they don't fix it to a season, so it migrates throughout the year. Um, like if you had your birth, if you were born um, in the spring uh, on that calendar, you know, several years later, you would be not celebrating your birthday in the spring. You'd be celebrating it in the fall and then continue to progress and migrate throughout the season. Well, um, kind of hard to plant crops and, and conduct, conduct yourself around that. So the, the lunar calendar of, of the scriptures is is indexed off of that first harvest, um, that later uh, springtime where you get into Passover. Um, Passover is a really interesting study about the the, the absolute persecution by the Romans uh, of the Jews uh, during Hillel Hillel the second's time. Um, because some years Easter would fall on Passover and other years it wouldn't. And so these people that the, the Romans were trying to convert into their church were getting upset saying, well, you're saying Passover, Easter is the same thing as Passover. Um, how come the Jews are celebrating Passover, uh, you know, 30 days from now or 30 days earlier than us? Um, so, that's when you get the, the 13th month of the lunar calendar. So uh, the guy that, to, to answer your question after that, that long sidetrack there was, um, 
they, the, his, him and his group decided that they wanted to, instead of uh, index the calendar off of, say, the harvest or that later time period that had been actually researched pretty heavy to make sure that it was falling on the right years of the metonic cycle so that you knew when the 13th month would be added into there decided to throw that out uh, and index the beginning of the year off of um, the spring equinox and the beginning of the month off of conjunction um, but it, it which is a, a dark moon right so conjunction is absolute dark moon uh, 72 hours later um, you start to see a crescent 48 to 72 hours later you start to see uh, a first visible crescent um, Islamic tradition is the very thinnest slightest first visible crescent that you can see just before the moon sets um, on that evening of that first day of that month um, the Hebrew tradition was a horned crescent, which is a bit older, and what we found was that it was uh, anywhere from the, the proper crescent um, was anywhere from six to eight percent, depending on what time of what what season you were in and where you were on Earth. Um, that first visible proper horned crescent was uh, between six and eight percent, um, and then it just it, the calendar lays out absolutely perfectly. So right now, there's not a, uh, a, a computer program out there that is, is in my belief, uh, correct to the, to the biblical um, calendar. There is a um, website, I'm looking it up right now, um, sorry, I didn't. Yes. Well, it's all right. Well, you know, it's it's an important issue, and um, it's one of those things that you know, if one wants to try to do this, one has to figure out when, <laughs> when it is, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, try to be as less dependent, as least dependent on others, and more dependent on this, you know, God's creation, the phase of the moon. So, but, so this, we're going to have to learn how to figure out what this is, so, and how to pay attention to it. And the problem with a guy like me is that there's so many overcast days, and even more since they start messing with the skies that, uh, you know, when is it? You know, I'm right. going to have to be dependent on somebody else. I need to find someone that's really got their act together on this issue. So it really doesn't sound that complicated. Uh, but it, as far as it's just if it's complicated, is it's just good lost knowledge. It hasn't been, seems to me, very <clears throat> effectively gathered as far as information and how to follow it. Yeah, it's absolutely very simple. And, and you know, it was difficult for me at first because I was so stuck on this solar sun calendar, sun worship idea. And um, it took me a little bit to get used to it. And I quite frankly, never really paid any attention to the moon unless it was full and just barely coming up over the horizon and it looked really cool. That was the only time I ever really looked at the moon. Um, yeah, all of us are that way. Yeah. I think especially, especially this, I discovered for myself, you know, since this flat earth issue has become uh, 
real to me, and I've been paying a much more attention to the sky this past year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, a lot of these things that I thought were true that they tell me true don't pan out with my eyes. You know? Right. One of the things that I found fascinating in the study of the, the moon and trying to write this computer program was that um, the, the naked eye can only discern, if I remember right, seven or seven phases or eight phases of the moon. Like, you know, it's constantly changing, right? Mm-hmm. Conjunction happens at a very split second of time and then it begins to increase in percent of illumination. So um, it's always changing, but our naked eye can only discern. Um, I could look that up as well, but it's somewhere around seven to eight phases um, of the moon um, uh, uh, increasing in light and decreasing in light, right? Mm-hmm. So um, as uh, over the years, as I've paid more and more attention to it, um, I've learned what those phases are. It's really nice. I can actually now I'm able to go out and look at the look at the moon on a on a clear evening and and know uh, where I am within that week and how many days away I am from from the Sabbath day. Um, Interesting. That's been that's been a a fun skill to have acquired um, over the years. No, I haven't. I haven't read your whole book yet about the uh, the destruction of the, of the Sabbath. Is it in there? How to, how to do that? I mean, the practical skill, the practical skills of actually doing what you just said. So that one is is you know a more, uh, um, I guess, independent independent in this matter. You know I mean? Yeah, there is the there is the direction and understanding and information in there on how to find and begin the start of the month and then count out seven days after that for the, for the next Sabbath. Um, uh, so once you find that first, first day of the month and able to indicate that first day of the month and know what that moon looks like the night before, um, then you're able to, and then you know, you you acquire that understanding very quickly once you know what the moon looks like to start the day or start the month and and then know what that moon looks like uh, seven days from then and then another seven days from then you very quickly know exactly what that moon looks like and if it's not that illumination then you're, you're able to see the other four phases leading up to it so that website that I was looking for. Um, can you post it to me? Uh, I can. It's called um, Her Majesty's Nautical Almanac. Um, and let me chat it to you real quickly. I'm gonna oh. chat. I'm gonna chat you the the <laughs> Her Majesty's, huh? Well, finally they did something for us. Take, take, take. And they have a. If, if you, and I'm going to chat you, the second link I'm going to chat you is to their, um, they, they do a monthly um, next moon. And so on that second link, if you chat on, if you click on that, um, up at the top, even just on the tab of that home page there, um, the website 
um, it says next new moon. If you click on that tab, they show you um, the visibility of the crescent over um, over the over Earth. And as you can see, uh, January 10th, um, uh, pretty much only the U.S. Um, can see a, a, a decent crescent. Um, on January 11th, um, most of Earth can see a good crescent, except for uh, Australia, New Zealand. Um, they, they can't see that crescent. So that's a too young of a crescent. And uh, so then 72 hours later, um, you've got uh, January 12th, and there you can see the whole Earth, the whole creation can see that crescent. Um, so that evening um, is the beginning of the Sabbath. So, um, so the Sabbath day for uh, January and the first day of the month will be January 13th. So, this, so the first day of the month will be January 13th? They, that will be the first day of the um, scriptural Hebrew lunar calendar, yes. That's fascinating. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's one of those couple things, but, but you know, a lot of people have probably imagine you've got a lot of grief for all this, and we're going to talk about this, and a lot of challenges especially scripturally and all that, people say, well, how can this be? Because um, people are going to say, well, one of the things they're going to say is, uh, you know, there's seven days in a week. There's seven days in a week, that's it. And with, I guess their, I guess their feeling, opinion is that if you follow the, the lunar calendar, there's, that's not the case. Is that the, or is that the case? Is there really a seven-day Continuous seven-day, I guess what the issue is they can feel that it's a continuous seven-day week pattern, just like what we're used to from the Gregorian calendar. Right. That's where, that's where people seem to get tripped up the most is that um, they infer in reading uh, the scripture that, um, you know, the seventh day um, is the Sabbath. And so they um, assume that the Gregorian calendar and the seventh day uh, of that month is the Sabbath, Saturday the Sabbath. And so, um, and, and then you, you, you really press them on it and then they, they push back and they're like, well, you know, that it's every seven days. So, uh, you know, you go seven days and then you have, Saturday the Sabbath, and then you go another seven days, and you have Saturday the Sabbath, and you go another seven days, and and so then then they'll then they quickly jump to the assumption, and there's zero facts to back this up, uh, and your local pastor and priest will uh, very quickly say that oh the seven day cycle has been going on for. 6,000 years since creation, and it's never been broken. So we've, we've kept the same seven-day cycle since creation, and it's never been broken. Well, there's lots and lots of historical, um, historical uh, documentation out there that shows that it has been broken. Uh, it's been broken in war. It's been broken in 
the changing of calendars. Uh, the Russians experimented with a 10-day uh, work week calendar. Um, I forget what all the different calendars were. There was an 8-day calendar, 10-day um, calendar. Uh, they've been experimenting with all kinds of different calendars, you know, and then they'll say, well, before that it was the Julian calendar, and they just added 10 days to it, and it didn't break the seven-day cycle. They just added 10 days into the calendar, and it still didn't break the, the, the seven-day cycle. So it's been going on for a long, long time. Well, uh, that's, you know, that's true in a, in a solar calendar, but that's not Sabbath. And, and even going back pre-Julian calendar, you know, there was a lot of countries around the world that weren't using the Julian calendar. They were using other calendars, and there's plenty of calendars during the Julian and Gregorian calendar time that people were still trying and experimenting with other calendars. All right. Well, it seems to me that there should be something that's a little more stable than the opinion of the ruling elite. <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just common sense, right? And if you want to just grasp the notion that the calendar that we live on is a slave's calendar, and it's a, it's a worker bee's calendar that's there to, uh, you know, yeah, to manage you. It's not about keeping in harmony with God or anything like that. It's just to keep in harmony with the satanic system that we're under. So we should really be questioning these things. I know it's. I also understand the reason why no one wants to do this, or very few people do, because of the perceived and the real social pressures placed upon them for complying to this. And of course, we have history to prove it. We're hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who try to keep the lunar calendar, whether a Jew or not, uh, were slaughtered. Right. Wholesale um, and throughout the world. So, um, But the same token, you know, if, like you said, if we were true believers, then maybe we just was what we want to do. Well, I guess in the end of the day, and one of the other arguments will be, is, is this a Salvatic issue? Well, this actually is this something that uh, I guess someone doesn't know about and doesn't really accept what you're, you and I are talking about tonight. That this is damn them. It's just going to keep them from uh, being with Heavenly Father and and um, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you think you think it will damn them if they don't do it? Oh. Um, I'm sorry, I missed what you said cut out on me there. What was that again? Well, a lot of people are concerned about this whole Sabbath thing because it goes back to work, so workspace situation, okay? And, you know, you know, it's, it's an issue. Because uh, we, we can't earn our salvation. It's a gift. And so a lot of people, their argument against this is going to be this is more workspace um uh, doctrine dogma that's just more enslaving people spiritually. I know you're saying otherwise, and I can accept what you're saying. What I'm asking you is, well, how do you respond to this? Because certainly, after six years, it had to happen at least once with you, or somebody said just what I said. 
Yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying, and I've heard it much more than once. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, it goes back to what I was saying early, a little bit earlier is, you know, I believe it is this, it is this sign, it is this, I, I'm, I'm on, I believe that I'm playing under the rules of the creator of the, of, of God. And, uh, I'm choosing to, to live under his law, under his rules. And, um, so I, I don't think it's work-based for me. It's clearly a choice. And, and for me, it's, it's, there is this struggle between one authority and another authority, right? And a lot of uh, Yeshua's teachings when he was here was teaching against this earthly authority. Uh, and many of the things that he was saying was, was you know, even to Lucifer himself. It's, my kingdom is not of his kingdom, you know, and and a lot of his parables were speaking to, hey, you know, the, be be not of this world. Don't care of don't care about the first death. Think of think of the next world. Think you know, live by live by the Creator's law, not the law of man or the Pharisaical law. Um, and so, to me, I don't to me I don't think it's a work workspace thing. It's it's uh it's the it's the basketball team I want to play for for lack of a of a better analogy. Right. Well, I guess it comes down to uh well, in a nutshell, do you feel that keeping the Sabbath is is something issue? If you don't keep it are you, are you are you damned? If I read the Bible correctly, and the only damning thing the only truly thing that you cannot be saved from, that if if I'm reading it correctly, and you know you, I, I understand you've interviewed Chris, and in my studying and and searching, I've have some issues about the translation. So that's a whole other topic, and probably for another discussion. But um, one of the things that you are damned that you cannot be redeemed from is rejection of the spirit. Right. Uh, so that's damning in itself. Um, I was raised um, as a Seventh-day Adventist, and they taught me that if you didn't keep the Sabbath, um, that you were a sinner and you wouldn't be saved. Um, so that was, uh, you know, so. but then I left to, when I was outside the church, I met really kind, sweet people. I'm like, how can these people not be uh, be saved? I mean, these are salt of the earth, good people. Um, and then later, when I finally decided to read the Bible for myself, and I've never never been into a church congregation and heard this taught, but I don't remember exactly the verse, but I believe it's someplace in Revelation where. Uh, God says, let those whose kindness and goodness count for their righteousness. 
um, which, if I understand that correctly and it's translated correctly, um, that's saying that, hey, you may not have heard everything, you may not have known everything, um, you, you know, but you were a good person and you were kind and loving to the creation and, and to your fellow man. Um, so that seems to indicate that, um, you know, there are multiple path, pathways to uh, the, the kingdom of God. So um, I don't know. I, 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 if, I was the, if I was the creator, I would want every single soul, every single piece of my creation to be saved and be with me. So I wouldn't want any destruction and death. So I don't know. Okay. That, that's a, well, well, my hope is with this uh, going down this, this venture and, and keep trying to keep this uh, lunar Sabbath is this is like go closer with God. They get to know him better and his, and his creation, this world and the, that I may be closer to him. So, I if it turns if it turns into a religious issue or, or if it starts to beat me up and I start beating myself up like when I was trying to do the the Saturday thing and feeling guilty if I don't get to get down right, you know what I mean? Or I not doing it right? Um, for my own personal spirit, to this point, you know, it's it's a way of Satan in this world to actually, once again, make you feel guilty about one more thing. Mm-hmm. How imperfect you are. So you didn't keep the Sabbath quite right, or you missed it, one of the, the, you know, the right phase of the moon, or whatever kind of stuff. Oh, I'm damned. If, if this is, now this is what I'm talking about, about workspace religion, and somebody who grew up a Mormon, I'm very conscientious of it work-based religion, because that's what I was in. And if you're an ex-Roman Catholic, and I'm sure even, well, I have a hard time believing it, an ex-Sempty Adventist wouldn't know this either. Um, and you mentioned that already. Uh, but, uh, you know, in other words, what is the anchor of your religion, of your faith? Is it a day of the week, a day of the moon, you know, the moon phase, or is it, uh, you know, the Godhead, God, the Creator, and His only begotten Son, etc. That kind of thing. So, uh, I guess you guys put your priorities in straight. But you wanted to say that one there. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. You know, there's one more thing that we should probably keep in mind too. You know, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to trip and Yahshua up and get him in trouble with their man-made laws, um, they asked him what was the most important law, right? And right. they asked him what the second most important law was. And then he proceeded to follow it up and say, that's the whole of the law. And the whole of the law was, or those, those two most important laws was uh, love, love God above all else and be good to your neighbor as you would be good to yourself. And so if that's the whole of the law and I love my creator above all else, then, 
hey, I'm going to keep the day that he wants me to keep, right? And then the people around me, I'm going to do the best I can to be good to them. If they need some help uh, on the Sabbath day, um, you know, I'm not going out and making money and, and living of the world on the Sabbath day, but if someone wants some help and is in need on, on the Sabbath day, uh, you know, and I have to break a sweat to help them a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm helping God's creation. I'm helping my fellow man. Um, is that breaking the Sabbath? I, I, no, I, I don't think so. So, you know, I'm, so, well, you know, Jesus was an example, and he, you know, let's face it, he was healing the sick, and uh, he was, uh, you know, you know, feeding his disciples and himself. He was doing all sorts of things. So, I, I you know, I guess, it, I guess you have to define what work is too. So, I mean, if it's all about a paycheck and all that, that's one thing. If it's, you know, like you just said, you know, doing something good for somebody, I think it's. <clears throat> certainly shouldn't be one of those ridiculous things that well, I can't do it because it's Sabbath. It means you can go help your neighbor, help your friend. My goodness, you know. Have, but you know, I think it really is. What I'm hoping for this, what I'm hoping, is this whole idea about resting in the Lord and what the blessings may be for myself, my son, uh, uh, for us, and then of course, uh, well, just to know him better. You know what I mean? I, I I don't see any problem with it. There's a reason for the reason that big ball up there that you already see one's uh, face of it keeps changing his face and is showing up in in my lives. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe it's just at, you know just because it was just a, a light in the night that makes things see you know, see better because it actually doesn't do any of that. It does everything contrary to what we think and makes the Full moon, you know, the moon rays makes drops the temperature. Uh, yeah, it might help a little bit seeing things, but let's face it: anybody ever try to walk around the woods or anything like that and, and without a flashlight or in the field? Uh, well, you know, you can't see very much even with the full moon. You can some, but you can't see everything like you can with the the, the, the sun. So, you know, I I I think this is a very valuable issue. I think it, it's it's a way of getting closer to God. How do we get closer to God? It's through His His creations. What we live in in a world is uh, man-made and Satan's creations all around us. The videos, the internet, the television, the radio, the music. Uh, entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. Now you, you know, you were asking about papal magic. Did you get that book for me? I did. I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm, that's, that's. Did you understand? Did you understand what I said about theater? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Because that's where it comes down to as illusions. It's about entertaining one and keeping one from being connected with. God's creation, and you know they'll try to make it out there. Oh, you're you're you're. Uh, pagan or pantheist, or you're 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 a Gaia worshiper because you want to enjoy, you know, going to the beach, going for a walk in the park, or checking out, you know, birds or whatever it is, you know, you're doing. You know, <laughs> even if it's just uh, doing some soaking in the sun, whatever it is you're doing, just enjoying what God created. Cause this, now, I know there's the argument of the Elohim and that there's you know that there was not just God who created all this. 
but there is helpful hands, and angel, angelic hands in the creation of this world that we live in. Whatever that is, the case really doesn't matter. In the day, it's God's creation. So, you know, we're not, yeah. it's not about worshiping the angels that helped them or anything like that. Or it's just about, it's, it, it, it's just about uh, demonstrating appreciation of what he's given to us. And I think it's really simple. The more and more I do this, the more and more it's like a full circle thing where it's like when I was a little kid, you know, going down the creek all the time or playing in the woods and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I didn't know God. Now I know God. Now I can, when I'm going to, you know, if I get a chance again, uh, you know, although my health is pretty bad, uh, but if I get a chance again to go play in the creek or go for woods and that kind of thing with my son or without my son, I have, I have somebody to be with now. And I'm, I'm not in a relationship. I, my, my thing is doing this and uh, take care of my son. I'm a full-time single dad. So, and, uh, so, uh, yeah. So, but you know, the funny thing is, is I grow and and learning the truth about things, and putting and re, realigning myself to where it's supposed to be, which is my uh, uh, my abiding faith is in and it's in Yeshua the Messiah, is in my Heavenly Father, it's in the Creator, it's in the hope that uh, that Jesus Christ is my my Savior. And then there's hope. There's something after this life. And then, you know what I mean? And there's something, you know, that to enjoy the good now. So to me, I know it's my native Indian blood in me too, that this just makes sense to me to follow instead of being a man, to follow the moon. So what I think is I'm gonna try to do is figure out these phases so I can be more connected with that and be more independent. And yeah. dependent on others. So that's a real struggle. And also to do it in a way where it's not all this religion, you know what I mean? Man-made religion where everyone's battling and bickering and saying it's got to be this way, that way, or the other way. So, And I don't trust the priestcraft. And I think the priestcraft, it's the Jesuits and, and their, their foot soldiers, the, the Freemasons uh, infiltrated real fast, if not at the beginning of this whole uh, Seventh-day Adventist movement, and it really does a severe damage. And I think it's like the book was, I believe, at least from the article that I got, that the chance that they, they go forward in this truth, they stifle that. Just like every other religion, it stifles. Even the, the Reformation movement, uh, Luther and Calvin and all these other groups, they stifle the movement. In other words, they gave us things, but then they didn't go keep going further and further. It seems like the pressures from Rome and other people around them and the need to have their churches and their movements and their buildings was more important than having personal relation with God and getting closer and closer and closer to Him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, I think from my understanding and what I've learned in my journey, the, the, the amazingness of this creation is that is our that is our access to uh being close uh to our father and our our creator um you know he's separated from this creation right now for a a time being it that's my belief um you know david I, i believe it was david um you know was praying for what was it 60 days or 40 days he was praying for help and uh, the the angel uh, was it Gabriel finally finally showed up and he's like where have you been 
And he's like, before the, the response by the angel was, before you even started to move your lips for help, I was on my way. So that means that he was having to battle his way to get here, to be here to help. And at least my understanding and reading of that. And when we, and my experience from tuning in to uh, the cycles of, of the creation, meaning the lunar calendar and, and life in general uh, on, on earth, um, built my intuition and my confidence and my connection to, to the creator um, by, you know, showing that I'm, you know, working within his creation in his ways. And so, you know, the world's so mixed up and so, so confused with all the, the, the trolls and the pawns and the people out for their own interests and the people that have sold their souls to the devil and all the media and all the lies. Really, the only thing we really have left is is our intuition and and uh, you know the spirit spirit of God impressing upon our hearts that what is right and what is wrong. Interesting. You know, it makes me think about like this geoengineering is going on. It's been going on for a while and it's slowly been ramping up. And of course, there's the weather wars thing and all that other stuff. But you know, it makes me think it always. It's like, you know, there's something that goes in the back of my head in this journey for the past three or four years is, why are they doing this, you know? And people say, oh, they're trying to kill us and poison us and all that, and we'll get rid of us. Well, probably do and all that, but, you know, what they're doing, from my research, and somebody who had a background in environmental science, that makes some sense, is that what it really are spraying is coal ash, it's fly ash or coal ash. It's a byproduct of the uh, power plants, the coal of uh, burning power plants, and they Instead of uh, paying to have it all disposed, they're just dumping it all over us, just like they did with the fluoride. So that's how I see it. But I also see another attempt that might be going along with what we're talking about with this moon and being observant of the heavens and stars and what Satan's been doing, you know, with the city and all that. Well, I'll give you electricity and I'll give you this and that. To and, but you know, look at how much of the majority of us are so disconnected from God's creations. The moon and the stars and even the sun. I mean, I'm not saying to worship any of this stuff. I'm just saying is to value it and appreciate it as the, mag- the magnificence of our uh, God, this intelligent designer who, who created us and all these things, you know, the, the whales and the seals and the lions and everything else along with the sun and the moon. There has to be a reason for that moon besides just... Uh, you know, affecting of the tides, the tidal actions or whatever, or the animals are hunting or, you know, I mean, all those are valuable things, but why the phases? Why, why do you need to have these? Why did we have any of us? You know what I mean? There has to be a reason for it. And, um, I don't know. It maybe seems too simplistic. Maybe I'm completely off, but I have a hard time believing that God made the moon and just not, just for us, just so that we could know that he's affecting the tides and the fish. <laughs> and you know, you're a pregnant woman <laughs> cycle. Or not a pregnant woman, but a woman's cycle, excuse me. Uh, you know what I mean? It's got to be more to it than that, you know. Maybe yeah. it is, you know. But uh, it's got to be better than going to a church 
Uh, I mean, that's one of the things about the Seventh Day Adventists that I saw so flawed. It was it was no different. It was a Romanized religion. The only difference, the only thing they had basis they could have on it in the day that was any visual significance of your people's daily lives, at least, who are members of it, is that instead of going to church on a Sunday, they went to church on a Saturday. Right. That's the only thing that's different. That's it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you talk about doctrinal no, exegesis or doctrinal differences. Uh, but in the day, a lot of those doctrinal differences and, and uh, really are not things that really affect people in day-to-day life or weekly life or their life in general. But uh, what day of the week you go to church certainly does affect people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think the adversary, um, Lucifer, Satan, uh, his, the, the powers that be, the principalities of this, of this place, um, their whole mission is to separate us from our creator and separate us from the creation, dumb us down, make us sick and, and keep us, keep us, keep us separated and keep us, damn us, keep us, keep us down. I mean, there's just so much interesting information out there that's hidden from us. I mean, the, the whole, Native Indian study that they did during the Vietnam War um, to to bring those Native Indians um, down there to help them know when when the enemy was near. And uh, are you familiar with that study and what what they were doing during the Vietnam era? War? I'm not sure what you're talking about. You're not talking about the uh, uh, the tunnel rats. What are you talking about? Okay. There was they had they were recruited the best Native Americans um, to go down and spend time with the, the with the troops um, because they had this intuition they had this ability to uh, know when the enemy was around before anybody else could see them hear them or anything like that they just had this intuition. Um, and some of the tests that they were doing on on these um, on these Indians before they would send them down to the Vietnam War was that the, the, the recruit they they would put them in the woods and let them go to sleep, and and the enemy would approach the the sleeping man, and he would he the, the Indian he would awake um, from his sleep and slip with a strong sense of danger, and he would slip away before the the enemy even knew he was there and they did these te- they did several tests like this over and over again you can look this stuff up um they did these tests over and over again well then they put the the indian they, they would they would identify the, the the native americans that had these abilities these track these indians that could track really well and were really in tune with the creation um around them and then they'd put them through basic training, shave their heads, and send them down to Vietnam, and they would lose their powers. And so they began to study why this was happening, and one of the old-timers that they sent down there, uh, his response was that he lost his ability, his intuition, his ability to sense the enemy as soon as they shaved his head. Um, so they had a... Uh, they had a 
a, a rule, uh, then, and you can find this out there in government documents that, that stated that these, that if, if a Native American was being sent down to help uh, the platoons know when the enemy was near with their abilities of intuition and know, knowing what was happening around them, that they were not to cut their hair. Yeah. Well, that sounds interesting, and I would not imagine. I would imagine that there could be some value there. I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because you know one of the things in the a lot of well, biblical Christians will say that it's a sin for men to have long hair. Is this true? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read that. You know, I mean, it, the I think one of the one of the the laws from creator in is it Leviticus not to round the corners of your head and not to shave your head, uh, not to rent your clothing. Um, not to, I mean, that's the, the Rastafarians believe that they are the tribe of Judah. That's why they have long beards and long hair because they believe that they're not supposed to cut their hair. Um, I believe that's why, um, Islam and, and Orthodox Jews have long beards and, and the longer hair because it, 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 I state somewhere in the laws in, in Leviticus about rounding the corners of your head, mm-hmm. which, which I think is a reference to the hair. If I, if, if I believe that's what, that, that's what they're referencing to and they have their hair longer. But there's just so much amazing stuff in the creation. Um, you know, there was that... Uh, uh, Mas, Mas, I don't, I'm probably going to mess up his name here and not say it correctly, but Masaru uh, Emoto, the Japanese um, scientist that died last year who was studying water crystals. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, amazing stuff. And so there, there's so much evidence around us that, you know, they're that our access to this amazing creation, if we order ourselves. And one more little quick note on that. What, what, if you remember what Yahshua would say to the people when he'd heal them, uh, he would, his, his response to them after he would heal them would be, well, oftentimes it'd be go and sin no more. And, um, so let's go back to the uh, Sabbath and also the feast days. How does one take, how does one do it? Okay, we recognize that there's something to do with the lunar uh, calendar. We're going to follow the phases of the moon, and in certain you know times with the phase of the moon, we're supposed to uh, rest in the Lord, not be you know slaving for uh, man or, or money. Um, so how do we go about uh, keeping the Sabbath? And, and even more importantly, another big issue is going to be, well, what you're trying to do is to get us to be uh, you know. You're Judaizing us, and that you are trying to get us back to this legalism and keeping the, the feast days and all this stuff. And we can't do it because there's no temple and all that kind of stuff. So how do we go? How do we apply or deal with this, these issues about how to keep the Sabbath and how to keep the feast days? Um, or do we keep the feast days? Well, I mean, if, if the Bible translated correctly and in uh, working with Chris to understand some of those laws, Chris at the Chronicle Project, um, looking at some of that stuff, some of, you know, God said, you know, let this be a, a remembrance to you forever. 
Um, so it didn't say, let this be a, a remembrance to you when you have a tabernacle or when you have a temple. Um, it said, let this be a remembrance, a, a feast, a celebration to you forever through all your generations. So uh, there was no conditions on it other than remember it forever. Sadly, um, there are some of these feasts, um, you know, that we've, uh, like Feast of Trumpets, um, you know, the, a lot of that's kind of lost uh, to history of how that was supposed to be celebrated. Um, you know, it's good good to remember it. I, you know, Passover, it, there's clear instructions in there on how to celebrate and remember Passover. There's clear instructions in, in the Bible on how uh, to recognize and remember Day of Atonement and but some of these other ones, you know, I, I would love to know those in, those instructions on how to properly uh, keep those days. Um, so how do you do it? Um, I keep them as close to what the Bible. I mean, I, I don't have the full full translation on all of it from from Chris yet. Um, but I, I, I keep them as a Sabbath, um, not all the days, you know, like the, the days of unleavened bread um, around the Passover. You know, I, I don't eat uh, leavened bread. Um, so th- that's kind of how I keep that. Um, Day of Atonement, I keep it as a Sabbath, um, as, a, as, a, as a special Sabbath. Um, and that, what does that mean? Does it would mean for you keeping it Sabbath? I, I, I keep it as 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 no different than a regular weekly Sabbath. Um, so I rest and fellowship with friends and family and study and and try to connect with the Creator. So um, basically, basically the only thing really that's uh, demanded onto you is just not to, to labor for money on that day, basically. Well, on Day of Atonement, I mean, you're supposed you're supposed to uh, fast and um, and reflect on on the year that's passed and reflect on uh, on the year that's to come. I believe I, the Day of Atonement is the is right around the the, the end of the of the year, in the beginning of the next. So, so it's coming up soon here. Um, it just we just passed just passed it. It was uh, it was uh, what a couple months ago. Oh, it was a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah, on the on the lunar on the lunar. Calendar. Oh yeah, that's right. I gotta get used to that. That the end of the year is not really. Yeah. Now it's now we're not in the we're like in the ninth month. <laughs> what it is. Um, um, yeah, well, the, you know, the, these are valid questions. I, I'm, I hope it's okay. I hope it make you. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but you know, as one approaches this, how much is there any legalism involved, and, and is it to some of these? Um, are there rites and rituals involved, and do we need a priest class at all to do any of this, or is there, you know, as a this, you know. Christ is, is our is our our high priest now, and that we don't need it necessarily. Well, there, there wasn't a priest class 
you know, I, I would love for you to interview my uh, my sister and my mother because they would be uh, they, they're much more learned in the, the feast days and, and the Sabbaths, uh, primarily the you know more so than I am on on how the feast days are are celebrated and kept and historically on that stuff. Um, so I look forward to you having the opportunity to do that. Um, uh, to there, there was no, from my understanding, there was no priest class um, pre. Uh, I don't know what the year was, but you know there was definitely priests around the time of of Jesus for sure. Um, but you look at, you know Noah, and you look at um, how some of the patriarchs were, you know conducting themselves long before there was any any temple or priest class you know uh, Noah came right out of the ark and and offered sacrifices of thanks and gratitude um, and uh, is that is that required of us at all these days I mean I, I would assume that the Christ he done away with all that right was yeah dying on the cross so yeah, I think uh, you know. I think I think that's. I don't. To me, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to go kill some animal. <laughs> no, I neither do I. So I don't want to go through it. And from well, you know, you know, it's, it's important to me because I really have no desire to be following any man right now in my life or any group or any the, dicta- the dictates of any uh, authority when it comes to this. You know, I, there are. Um, Plenty of churches out there that, that claim to do this kind of stuff. Uh, they're small in, in number, but uh, they will, you know, but it's usually, you know, you got to make uh, commitments to the group and not to God. So, Yeah, well, you know, the way I look at it is I believe that um, Yahshua was our, was our redeemer, and I believe that sacrifices of animals was a uh, a a looking forward to a, a remembrance or a looking forward to uh, there is a time coming when there is going to be a real substantial and a real sacrifice that redeems and saves us and you know, it was their way of saying, I'm, I'm under this authority. I'm under the house of the creator and under the house of Yahshua and under his authority. And he may not be here yet, but I know he's coming someday. And so uh, um, to me, I think it would be highly offensive to uh, have some sort of sacrifice because a sacrifice in itself would be rejecting the the sacrifice of uh, Yahshua as our Redeemer. To me, that's my thinking. Well, that's my thinking, too. My thinking, too, this is, uh, <clears throat> like, you know, this whole notion of building a third temple and this whole thing is just total slap in God's face is what it is. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's not, it's not to show reverence to him or what his son did. It's, it's just, uh, just to be denying him more. And I think... Uh, I don't know. I mean, from what I see, what Christ did for me, he freed me from man-made religion. 
and he allowed me to have a more personal relationship with uh, with him and our Heavenly Father or the Godhead. And, uh, uh, you know, even that, you know, I, to get to, you know, I would like to understand that even better on a personal level instead of, you know, what everybody else says. But, but as time goes on, I will be, see how that goes. So do the best I can for now. But, um, yeah, I think it's a very valuable uh, approach. I think it certainly uh, has a lot of, feels to me very much more, uh, a very spiritual kind of attempt to uh, walk with God and recognizing, doing it through the um, the lunar calendar. I'm looking forward to doing this. Um, this week was the first time I did it, so I guess the next one is this will be Sunday night and um be the next one, right? So mm-hmm. um for yeah. Me, go ahead. Yeah, for me, I, I agree with you. I don't think we need a uh, in fact I know we don't. Um at, at least from my own understanding and then journey and where I'm at right now to, to think that there has to be some intermediary a man intermediary intercessory priest or pope or something. I mean, the pope, what is it, vicar, vicar of Christ? You know, he is Christ and the representative on earth. And, you know, Abraham never had any of that. And and God referred to Abraham as his friend. He was the friend of God. Um, you know, there was no priests and any of that going on at that time. He was you know, he was he was living his life and raising his family and following the following the rules that were laid down. Yeah. Well, it just seems to me all this religion and everything else just another form of enslavement and, and managing you, the slave class. So I, I don't want anything to do with it. So <laughs> at this point, I know it sounds kind of rebellious, but I don't believe it is. It's uh, just like it's you know. What all man, you know, we, God gives us this desire to be free, a uh, freedom, free from what? And it's the tyranny of men and the satanic system that we're under, so, and our own sin as well. So, but, um, uh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, we, I know we still were talking, we talked about before the show about uh, these dimension things that you've been dealing with and all that. Um, I think it would be good to have a second show about that. If you're interested in it and talk more about things, if you're you're digging this, I know you got your own life and you're busy. So, but if you want to, I'm sure we'd like to do it. I could even do it on Sabbath if you want to do it. Um, the other thing is, uh, before we go though, you said you wanted to comment a little bit about uh, my reading tonight. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I would love to have another call with you. This is it's always in, enjoyable to visit with you and and. Uh, what was that? Exchange ideas. <laughs> it was a text me- text message. Yeah. Uh, exchange ideas and and learn learn about each other's journeys. Um, uh, bowls for those. Uh, I, would, I would love to do that again. And some of the, you know, the realm that you know this. I'm, I'm fascinated by this flat Earth idea as well. Oh yeah. As, oh yeah. As, yeah, yeah, as yeah. you are, and and it's been. Well, by the way, by the way, I did email. Uh, I've got a return back yet, but Mark about having a debate with Chris. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, 
so yeah, it, it has uh, it has uh, stretched my uh, brain muscle to kind of think how to connect all the dots and how to uh, understand all of it, and it has made me you know think of you know maybe this plane that we live on this earth um, in, in different ways, which has brought me to some some new ideas that I would love to put out there in, in, in the world and to your listeners and to you and others to just see what, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is something, you know, and it, it's amazing how much we've been deceived and hidden from, from real truth um, to keep us in fear and separated and, and divided and fighting and sick and unhealthy. So um, yeah, it'd be fun to have another call and talk about that stuff. Um, as for, you know, just to wrap it up, uh, you know, on, on your reading at the beginning, um, that one of my early dives into trying to understand the world around us was wanting to understand why so much of Christianity today is so rah-rah, gung-ho, um, the Zionist movement. And what this Zionist movement was, and man, uh, you know, where is it coming from, and you know, what 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 their goal is, and what they're thinking, and uh, I learned this maybe a year ago, um, and it's the it's the it's the word uh, Khazars. Um, are you familiar with the Khazarian Empire? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I think we need to, uh, in my personal opinion, is I think we need to be, I think we need to be really cognizant of making sure that we, the English language is so messed up, it's hard to, you know, they change the meanings of the words, or you know, so it's hard to, to really oftentimes it's hard to convey the messages that we or the ideas that we want to exchange because the language is, is is letting us down. But, uh, um, you know, there's different types of Jews out there. There's the, 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 the Khazarian Jews, um, who, if you read their history, if I, if I read their history correctly, they're not even, blood Jews. They're, they're Jews by, um, uh, you know, by claiming that they are. Um, and, uh, I, I believe that those are the ones that are running the Zionist movement and, and the problems that, that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, then there's the, then there's the, the other Jews that, you know, are trying to keep the laws and trying to keep the keep the keep as truth to as, as they can and keep the ways. You know, there's a, some interesting stuff out there of the Jews uh, um, believing that they are in a diaspora and that they have no right to Palestine anymore. That you know, the Creator said, "Yeah, you didn't you didn't follow the law. You didn't follow what I asked you to do. So therefore, you don't have." rights to this place anymore you know and there's huge Jewish movement that believe that right 
Absolutely, yeah. So, well, you know, for your, your my own research, uh, you know, as far as this anti-Semitism thing is going on, it's, you realize it's, it's the Semitic folks are the ones that are being slaughtered right now, and the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews that lived there in harmony for hundreds of years <laughs> in Palestine, and that uh, they're the ones being slaughtered right now, and uh, kind of like what we did, well, not kind of, exactly like how, what we did to the Native Americans here. Um, so it's uh, business as usual, but I think also what they're doing with this is that they're, uh, like I said, I you know you see these I see these giant walls being put up. I see all the things that are going on over the Middle East, and I really do believe this is how I see it. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but that the state of Israel is really just a giant concentration camp. The reason why they want all those many Jews over there as possible, they, you know, they'll tell everyone it's because they wanted to settle the area, and that's certainly the case. But it's to, to it was to foment and aggravate the situation there with the, the Muslims, because if you read Elder Pike's agenda, in fact, I don't know if you ever read it, but I'll read it to you real fast. It's not that long. Uh, Albert, have you read Albert Pike's letter to Messini about the three world wars? Yeah, it's amazing, and it, it's it's amazing how perfectly it mirrors um, what happened uh, in World War One, World War Two, and it seems like the powers are moving things in that direction. Uh, yeah, I I can't even see it. I know other people say differently, but I don't see it in the Bible that the state of Israel is actually. I know God's lolling and He's the one in charge, but biblically, this is not something that I see as really. I don't see it biblical. I just think it's just a creation of Rome and the powers that be, the ruling elite. And if we look at this, we just read. I'll just read this real fast because you, you say you have read it, but I'll read it again just for my reminders. Because it's just overwhelming how obvious this one paragraph is. It, it nails everything right where what we're going through. So, so the, the Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agitator of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of his, of the Islamic world. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam the Muslim Arabic world and political Zionism and brackets, this is 1871, the state of Israel mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. And you see that happening to the United States and our, and our own environment right now. We shall unleash the nihilist and the atheist, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm. Which I wonder what that French foreign minister, along with uh, Skull and Bones, Roman Catholic, uh, uh, Kerry, John Kerry, we're talking about the 500 uh, days to uh, climate chaos. Maybe we we're really talking about the weather. We're talking about political climate. Something to think about. <laughs> anyway, so he talks about this formal social cataclysm, 
which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute theism, atheism, excuse me, origin of savagery and of the most bloody turmoil. That, and you can see this going on with this whole agenda with uh, you know, these fake uh, false flag operations in the United States. And a lot of people say, oh no, it's all to, to uh, take our guns. And ultimately, it is that, but another part of it is, is just to create this savagery, if you will, of this turmoil that they want, this bloody turmoil throughout the world. Then, everywhere, the citizens obligated to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries. And I'm telling you, when you hear revolutionaries, you must think Jesuits, because they've been involved in just about every single revolution for the past 200 years, if not older, actually, at least since the French Revolution, it probably is. Well, actually, well, it's been four or 500 years of that. Right. <laughs> and we'll exterminate those destroyers of civilizations and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity. And certainly a lot of us are at that stage whose theistic spirit will, for, will form the, that moment, from that moment, be without compass or direction. Anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, which I believe the Jesuits says who they would truly worship, and I believe that Albert Pike was a Jesuit, along with being the Grand Master of the Scottish right, Freemasonry in this country. Because I believe the Jesuits have been in control of the Freemasonry almost from its inception. In fact, if you look, at it, we'll be going details of the end of that. But anyways, but without, uh, okay, okay, brought finally out of the public, and we see that right before our eyes happening around, Luciferian has been brought out in front of the public with they had Super Bowl halftime shows and the and the uh, Olympics and the music industry and what they're doing and, and the media and everywhere. Right? Would you agree with that? It's being brought out in the light before our own eyes. To, at, a, at a repulsive rate. I mean, it's it's shocking how. I mean, it's, it's almost like they're feeling like they're behind. They're they're running behind. Like we got to get this idea. We got to get this these images. We got to get this out as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. And so you got that. So it's, it's, out, it's finally out in the public view, and this manifestation will result in the general, uh, general reactionary movement, which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheists, both co- and atheists, uh, destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Now we know the goal. The goal is, all right, we can look at there's a mutual destruction of the state of Israel, which wasn't a, there was no state in 1871, was there? No. <laughs> and the Muslim Arabic world. So that's what's going on and, um, in the Middle East with the final ultimate goal in all of this is the destruction of Christianity, which includes the Roman Catholic Church because they... Most of the world feels that they are Christian, Christianity, part of Christianity. Of course, we know better, but and atheism. And it's uh, funny how 
outside of the God and creator issue, how Christians and atheists have so much more in common than they realize it. Yeah. Realize it. And so, you know, it's going to be, and that's the goal. So, yeah. That document and the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Which, by the way, was written by a Jesuit as well. Right. <laughs> uh, all roads lead to Rome, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they really so do. It's uh, yeah, it's remarkable, and it really spells out, you know, what we see happening in the world right now. Another document that I find fascinating uh, that really spells out what we see happening in the world right now is is the uh, UN uh, New World Map. Uh, I don't know if you googled that but google post-war new world map um it was a map that the un put out in 1942 um are you talking about the new world order map of 19 was it 42 or 46 because there's a 46 uh there was something after world war ii or before world war ii where there they had uh it's called the, uh, the new world order map back then yeah, they've been updating it, so they keep changing it and updating it as their plans change. I mean, it was, uh, you know, there, you can see an, an updated version from the United from the United Nations uh, uh, under their United Nations Millennium Development Goals uh, Report 2009. In their in their report 2009, they've updated that map. Um, but everywhere we see a border conflict. Um, this this map spells out right where we see border conflicts because they're trying to shape these border, they're trying to shape and create these borders. So, um, it's uh, to me it's fascinating to 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 read Albert Pike stuff, the Protocols of Learned Elders of Zion, and then look at this map and it you can see exactly they're pushing so hard to bring this into fruition. Yeah, they are. They're actually they are trying to do that. It's really clear as day. It's just matter. Of, you know, <laughs> it's fascinating too. I was just thinking about what you're talking about, about that ISIS and how you know we're talking about here about how they want to uh, eliminate the nihilists and um, and the Muslim Arabic world and how they're using these useful dupes to mercenaries of uh, these uh, the. The Muslim Brotherhood and the uh, uh, these uh, these assassin type groups these uh, uh, as they soften it all up you know these these same people that are used right now that are paying to kill other Muslims are going to kill eventually themselves they're going to kill them so yeah. but anyways uh, you were going to say something be, uh, about the, the flag and then uh, did I did you do you well, I, I I I did get my point out I didn't really necessarily want to say something about the flag I just wanted to come back and just you know let your listeners know that there's an interesting study about the Khazarian Empire and and where they you know, came from and moved into and their whole uh, global one world order power that they want to put into place. And, uh, you know, they're, they're on the world stage. So, um, you know, it's good to name them for what they are. So. Yeah, you're right, brother. These, these are, uh, there's a lot of good studies out there and, um, how this particular group, I guess the you know a way of looking at this, these Jews who were not Jews, um, 
It's part of the synagogue of Satan, if you will. This is labor Zionist move, Jewish movement. Um, and like you said, there's like the Torah Jews believe that the state of Israel is illegitimate. Um, you know, uh, it, uh, if you're getting a chance to look at this one website, Dave does some good stuff. His name is uh, David Nakato. Nakato, maybe I'll set you something here. Um, Uh, Jews who are not really, really Jews. You probably already know this, but he did a nice little summary about this. Um, he does a lot of good other stuff. But, but you know, he's, he doesn't, uh, you know, this is one of the things the next time I also want to talk to you about at some point is this Daniel 70th week. We need to get into that, but I think it's going to be a, a, a lengthy show to do that as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But here we go. I'm, I'm going to send this. This is uh, David's little work. You can go to his website. And uh, you probably know all of this, anyways. But it says the answer to the question about the history of the Jewish Ashkenazi and Khazar Jew Jewish Empire will shock you, and uh, will no doubt cause you to question everything you know about the modern day Jews and the state of Israel. So, yeah, they're going to a lot of them are going to be sacrificed in this whole agenda as well, too. But I believe it's the ultimate goal. By Satan is to get rid of these, uh, they, like uh, they would call the, the Torah Jews. You know, the biblical, the people, the Jews still believe in the Torah and operate under that. And and um, it seems like there's very few of them left these days too. So <laughs> for sure. Um, and you know, you go back to well, just to make one more point to to wrap it up when we were talking about the calendar, you go back to Hillel, Hillel. You know, I think everybody knows about the Jew, the modern day Jewish calendar. You know, they 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 say, well, the Jews are keeping Saturday; it must be Sabbath, right? Well, <laughs> you look into that Jewish calendar, and you go back into into that Jewish calendar and, and to Hillel's time, and he, which was he was the leader of the Sanhedrin between 320 and 385 um, A.D. and his people were being persecuted by the Romans over the, the, the over the Easter Passover uh, melding, you know, where they were trying to uh, match the, those two those two festivals together, and so Hillel cut a deal with the with the Romans to to begin to fix. Uh, the Jewish calendar to their uh, Julian calendar so that uh, um, the Easter and Passover would more closely match. And so uh, that's why you have all these silly postponement rules um, within the Jewish calendar to help align and synchronize uh, a, 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 lunar, a lunar holidays or feast days to a uh, Gregorian uh, sun-based calendar, which you know just doesn't work. So yeah, and it seems you know I understand you know part of it was you know self-preservation and, and to save lives and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, but I mean that's the, the more and more you study this stuff, the more you realize how satanic this Roman system that we live under, and that you know uh, a lot of I mean. Whether it's translated right or not, 
an awful lot of revelations makes an awful lot of sense to me today for my studying of history and what's going on today in reality and how the the power structure works. And so whether or not we got it, you know, 100%, which is in the possibility probably in itself because of human, uh, you know, human, human involvement in 2,000 years of time and all sorts of things. And the fact that probably 99% of all that, the scriptures that have been written probably are, are were destroyed or sitting under the uh, Vatican <laughs> somewhere. But uh, you know, the thing is, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like anybody. It's just like the Seventy Adventist movement. I think that the, you know the Millerites and all that kind of stuff were starting to head towards uh, uh, the right direction, like your, the book says and the, what that article says. But it got derailed real fast and. The, the uh, Jesuits and Freemasons were involved, and so they, they they derailed it and kept it in bay at bay with the Saturday Sabbath thing. Because I imagine the people got more if the general, you say the laity, we got more and more educated about what was going on. Started practicing this lunar Sabbath. Well, all this stuff that we're talking about are really our threats to the power structure of the system that we live in, this Roman system. And they've worked very hard over the centuries to try to oppress any of this, you know what I mean? Uh, they threw information about maybe how it is that we're supposed to worship our Savior or who who he is or why we're here or, as we talked about, or you mentioned earlier, what this world looks like, etc. And when the best way to enslave your people is through ignorance and misdirecting them, you know. And it's because, you know, dragon gives it its power, the system's power, which would uh, Satan, obviously, uh, the, the Kosh, uh, he, they, they, um, you know, they're going to do everything in his power to either send any kids kind of close to going in the right direction to try to derail it. So well, I'm sure I'm sure this whole flat earth thing will I can see it already at the all the bickering and fighting that's going on and accusing <laughs> them. You know what I mean? And it will be usurped just like everything else. As you expect it, you expect it. But as long as the truth comes out that uh they've been lying to us, NASA's been lying to us and the world is not what they say it is and it's probably more in line with the word of God, no matter how mistranslated it may be, it's at least it's leading us in the right direction, right? <laughs> it, it is a, a enough. There's enough truth there that gets you started in the right direction, and you know the, the this lunar. Uh, you know, I should have mentioned this earlier, but the the lunar Sabbath truth almost came out through the the Church of God. Um, there was a a study that they did, and there was a big movement within the Church of God that it almost made it out through that through them as well, and. Uh, but I don't know enough about that, but it's I, I, it's it's out there, and there is some information out there um, about uh, the lunar Sabbath um, with the Church of God community as well. Yeah, cool. Well, folks, once again, this is uh, Brad Bornholt, and he's uh, a co-author of the book, uh, the the Destruction of the Sabbath, and uh looks like you're a contributor to the article. Once again, um, well, well, I guess the Lunar Sabbath SDA Church, can't remember what it was called that, Wolf had. But you can find it on the fourageofpublication.com. You can also find it, uh, where did they get that from again? Was it the uh, Bible Truthers? 
Truthers.com. Uh, yeah, BibleTruthers.org is a, a website that I hear is going to be back up in the next week or so. So oh, they, 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 oh, they took it down, did they? That was yeah, it was originally posted up there, and then uh, I hear that website will hopefully get back up in the next week or two. Yeah, that article once again is called "The Liver Sabbath and the ESA a Church." So now I read that once again, folks. Uh, uh, is uh, Monday morning. <laughs> it's actually 12:30 at night. I was so excited when I found it. I was like, "Hey!" And then it turns out that you contributed to it, and you're in your, and it was in your mom and your sister. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea when I ran into it. It's like, "Hey!" Oh my gosh! I started reading. It's like, <laughs> I'm so excited because she's like, "Wow!" You know, some some it's a something that I have been suspecting for a long time. It's good to start seeing some validation. And I know the other thing, too, is going to be this uh, lunar uh, solar crowd, or lunar solar crowd, too, that's going to contend it. And, and, and Dave, Dave Decay was one of those guys. So I sent him the article, and I also sent him the, um, uh, what's the, 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 uh, the uh, not the destruction, what's the name of the book that your mom did? Uh, calendar Thought, The Great Calendar Controversy. Yes. Well, no, I just I had it. I just I actually just got the download somewhere. Anyways, um, oh there it is. Uh, yes, the great calendar controversy. So I send that to him to see what he thinks about it. Uh, well, I guess even in this, in your this community is going to be a lot of controversy. So <laughs> I really think it's really you know part of the, at least the lessons I'm learning from this is that to, don't join the community. Just keep following the truth, whether it. You know, it's just you and God is doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't spend, spend a lot of time judging others either, because we're all where we're at. You know what I mean? And it's not really. It comes a certain point where you know, like you start to realize, really, it's the uh, the bat. You know, because there's not a lot of battling and bickering and fighting going on uh, with this. I mean, it's the most. Is that you know, I, I, Christendom and the followers of uh, Yeshua is. I can't think of a bigger madhouse. Honestly, yeah. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's just constant. It's, you're guaranteed to get a bunch of fighting. And you know what it comes down to is pride and thinking that you got it figured out. And I really think when it comes down to understanding what it be as a child uh, when it comes to what God has to say is to, is to realize the walk through this walk with God, at least, and understanding him and trying to, his truths is the fact that you are a child. No matter what you think, you don't know crud no much how you read you, you know none of us know hard enough not we're not certain that worthy to be judging everybody else and, and getting everybody else's face in business you know what i mean if you just uh do our walk with god because there's <clears throat> well quite frankly we're, we're idiots we yeah. are we are might as well admit where you are we are children in this we're infants in this whole thing <laughs> We're 48 years old almost, and we're, <laughs> you know, you, you, it, 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 I guess this word means to be humble, and you realize you just don't know anything. <laughs> we're, 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 we're here on this plane to mature and grow and, and, and mature and grow and, and learn. And, and, you know, I don't, I want to learn from the source, from the creator himself, and I want my walk to be as close with him as, it can possibly be, and I don't want some man 
telling me what his interpretation is or what his schooling told him to say or what his government's telling him to say, um, whether it's the organized religion government or it's the government above the organized religion that they don't have to pay their taxes to. I want my walk solely with the creator, solely with the source. Yeah. And that's, that's the way to go. So, yeah, maybe next time when we talk, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, what did you say? The eight dimensions, or what is? No, I'm just. I it, it, it's more around the flat Earth and trying to understand the uh, makeup of this Earth that, that of the creation that we uh, that, that that we're blessed to be able to live in. So. Yeah. You know, it's also, I think we had a conversation with him, too, and, you know, towards the end, he thought he brought up the thing about, uh, you know, the light show in the sky, that that's just, that's just all it is. And he was more willing to accept it as some kind of hologram, <laughs> some big old uh, IMAX theater type thing out in the sky. Uh, now, I, I don't have a problem with it at this point, because you know what? It's 2015, and the fact of the matter is, you and I haven't seen anything to prove otherwise at this point. Yeah, I, yeah. No. I mean, I, I, there, to me, there's a preponderance of evidence that I can gather on my own that it's a flat plane, and I like that cosmology because that means the creator's much closer. Uh, we're not some forgotten little ball spinning around a thousand miles an hour far away from possibly far away from the creator and some forgotten arm of some forgotten galaxy. Yeah. Right. And you know, Satan and his minions and his servants here on earth, you know, the, the tares, if you will, the, uh, his followers, definitely they would want us to believe in this vast solar system and us traveling, you know, 66, Thousands, six hundred, and whatever miles and <laughs> through space around the sun, and everything's, you know, that's what they would definitely want to, because it, it's able for them to do. Uh, the, you know, in fact, if we, if this comes to be true, which seems like it, the, the work is flat, whatever this dome thing is, whatever those light show is up there, it, uh, it should make them really be in their drawers is what should be doing. I can see why they would try to push this reality as far and as far as away as possible because uh, uh, the, you know, let's face it, if, if people really know and really believe God is a lot closer than we realize and uh, the heavens are a lot closer than we realize and everything that we told is a lie, um, maybe we'd be so less, we'd be less compliant to the satanic system. Absolutely, I agree with that. We would be if we realized that we lived in uh, some small terrarium, you know, that is Earth, this beautiful garden, this small place, and there's no way out of here. Um, you know, no rocket ships taking us out of here to some other planet. I think we would. I think we would start getting along a lot more. Where are all those stuff going? You ever thought about that? You know, we were supposed to quit forty minutes ago, but it's still going. That's all right. If you don't mind, I'm I'm enjoying it. But you know, where's have you thought about much about this? Like, uh, I know you don't really admit, you might, you, maybe you do, but that, uh, sorry, you don't. Um, so they're supposedly, and all these people believe they are doing, they're making these satellites 
and rockets. And I know a lot of them are supposed to be dumping in the Pacific Ocean and it's in the Atlantic Ocean. But, I mean, what are they doing? Are, are they really building satellites or are they building something else thinking they're building satellites? Are they building <laughs> – what's going on there? Because, you know, I, the, yeah, I, the argument about the thermosphere is awfully – persuasive, at least for me, that there's an impossibility that this, this, these electronic gadgetry, these satellites, could operate in there. It could even exist for very long. We're talking about thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. Right. And I don't know. I mean, a low altitude satellites could only last for so long, and then they would have to crash themselves. Right. Yeah. I, I, it, it's my mind wants to think that there's nothing up there, and I think it was Mark Sargent was the guy that mentioned that they were just dumping it, dumping it off into the ocean. What's interesting, and this was early on when I was looking at the flatter stuff, you know, I was like, well, that's really weird. They, how does that happen? How does that work? And then if you look at some of the old film of rockets being launched, they go straight up, and and they go. They don't turn over. They don't arc. Um, you can find a few of them arcing a little bit, but the film footage that I was able to find and see online, those rockets that they're launching go straight up. Uh, the space shuttle and the stuff that we launch now goes up and arcs over. So. What I don't know. What, why is there a difference there? It's an interesting thing to think about. Um, are you familiar with uh, Jim Stone? What does that sound familiar? He has a website, uh, Jim Stone Freelance. I think if you Google him, he did a study and expose on Fukushima, and he has talked about how I think he used to work for. NSA or something. I, I, you know, interesting guy has some really interesting studies and points on what's happening around. Um, but he's said for a long time that these cell towers, uh, these towers that we have around, um, uh, don't need to be as big as they are, uh, and the, the frequent, the proper. The antenna that our cell phones work off of don't have to be as big as that, um, meaning that that antenna is for a larger wave wavelength or a different type of wavelength than what our cell phones work off of. So um, it's an interesting idea that maybe that is our GPS positioning thing, and we're just thinking it's coming from... Uh, up oh, space somewhere? I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it's bouncing off of the dome or the ionosphere or something. You know, maybe they figured it out with the whole harp thing. There was that, they, the, the, what was it, the Air Force or who, who owned harp was trying to give it to some university and some congressional hearing asked them, they asked them, well, you spent lots and lots of money on this. Why, why don't you need it anymore? And they're, you know, why don't you want it anymore? And they're like, you know, we've learned from it what we want. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know that I find super fascinating. Oh yeah. 
But definitely, I, I know what you're talking about about that hearing they had. They were looking for a buyer for that the harp facility up in Canada or not Canada, um, Alaska. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh huh. So I mean, that's a big leap from cell phones and flat Earth and stuff. But you know, they build this technology and they use it and they experiment with it and. And, you know, if Jim Stone is, is correct, and we don't need cell towers that big for that much, uh, you know, for our little cell phones, because basically it's, your, it's, it's no different than your hands-free phone in your house. So, um, or the little antenna that's in our phone, you know, if our, my little iPhone has a transmitter in it that sends it off. So what what is again? Does he think it's for? Does he think it's, it's like the new newer version of Harp? He doesn't know what it's for. He's just throwing out questions of, hey, the frequency that we transmit from our phones and from our and, and receive, there's no need for that cell tower to be that big. Uh, the the dimensions and I. I I'll, I'll see if I can find his article again and send it off to does, does he, And did you say that he believes or does not believe in satellites? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he's not, I've never heard him say anything about flat earth or not. He's more talks about technology and, and, uh, I, I can't remember who I talked to him. Uh, there's a guy that, uh, did you see the one about the, all these, these giant skyscrapers that they make? They all had these tires on it. I'll have a single one, just like the, the you know, like the um, Eiffel, Eiffel Tower or this, the, the new One World Trade uh, building and, and like, the, the big building in Dubai and all this stuff and the Eiffel Tower. They're all, like, giant uh, towers. Right. And uh, so, you know, it makes sense to me, this whole thing that uh, what, what Sergeant is saying and others are saying, um, that uh, we don't we don't need satellites to do all the stuff that we're doing to, in fact we can, uh, through um, um, these towers to the UPS these tower system works pretty pretty well and uh, and then uh, what's the other thing the, the cables that run um, what do they call that again what do they call that thing again the uh, you know this your computer guy what do they call those things uh, the coax or the Fiber optic, or yes, there you go. They had giant fiber optic cables and running from here to Europe and back, and all that kind of stuff. I think they pretty much can pull off most of this that way, don't you think? You're you're more doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, I I don't see any reason why everything the the technologies that we have, I don't see any reason why they can't be land based. And you and you did see, have you seen the 1959 Walt Disney uh, short film about weather control and what modification and mm-hmm. yeah geoengineering? So you know this is something that we of course you finding videos of them doing that during World War II, messing with the weather and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's something that they've desired for a long time. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot, a lot of this also has something to do with. Um, uh, along with like uh, this Doppler radar, whatever it's supposed to be, along in this harp system and all these towers is a way of manipulating, controlling the weather type of thing. Right. Uh, right. Trying to, trying to, they're trying to. It doesn't mean they're, they're su- succeeding 100%, but they certainly are doing something because 
weather has changed since they started so spraying us like cockroaches with uh, coal ash. So, and by the way, all that aluminum, stromium, and, and uh, barium, and all that, I guess, byproducts of the coal ash. And for me, it makes a lot of sense because that's I mean, I was in environmental management and and uh, I studied a lot about industrial processes and how to reuse industrial waste as a way of making money for the business instead of losing money. And so to me, it's just like when that guy did that video. So it makes all sense for That's what it is. You're right. It's just coal ash. And it makes... <laughs> it really... <laughs> yeah, oftentimes it's, you know, they, they say, oh, that's an unintended consequence. But, you know, if you know what the, un- if you know what, I mean, you can sell, you can sell, you can sell the effect and say everything else is a side effect or you can sell the, sell what you want to sell. And, oh, sorry, we didn't know that this, this was an unintended consequence, but they knew it all along. They wanted it. And that was the consequence that they were actually wanting, but they couldn't sell that consequence. Yeah. And the other thing, too, before we go, you know, this, uh, have you thought much about uh, Georgia Guidestones and R.C. Christian? Um, I haven't really. I mean, I read, I read into it a little bit and found it interesting. And then I watched a documentary on it. And that was about, all. you know, I maybe spent a day, uh, you know, looking into it a little bit. Um, I did get a little caught up uh, when that, Block showed up uh, in it overnight. They were like, uh, I don't know, was it a couple of years ago? There was that stone block that showed up at the top of it, and then the guy showed up and they took it down and they analyzed the numbers of it that were on the stone block, and he broke it up and gave it out as souvenirs. Do you remember that? Like, oh ago? yeah, yeah, yeah. This 2014 is supposed to be there. Yeah. yeah. So it's rare because you know it's in state. It's on. Uh, uh, government grounds, you know, and maintained by the, the state of Georgia. Of course, it's, uh, it's uh, what's Athens, Georgia, right? The, 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 the uh, no, 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 Pike. No, 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 Albert, Albert, Georgia, right? Albert. <clears throat> Anyways, I just find that interesting that the the pseudo name of the supposed creator of it is R.C. Christian because if you do any study in history, you realize that that was a nickname of the Roman Catholics for a long time in Europe. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but <laughs> it could be just you know, you know, of course, of course, part of the ultimate goal in all this too is to destroy the Roman Catholic Church. So, right, you know, yeah, because they blame it all on the Catholic Church. They, so, okay. anyways. Elbert County, Georgia. I just looked it up. Elbert County, Georgia, and Elberton, Georgia is where the guidestones are. Yeah, of course, you know, that you, I, you, there's no way that it's not. It's, it's the reason why it's probably called in dedication of Elbert Park. Elbert County. So, anyways, well, maybe next time, uh, I don't know, make a time next week, and we'll start again. Maybe we can do it on Sabbath, huh? You're interested. Right. Sounds great. Well, thank talk you. More, for... We'll talk more about your, your concepts and ideas and all the stuff that you were laying out for. Yeah, I'd love to bounce it out there to everybody to get put it out there. Maybe someone will it'll ring someone's bell and they'll go, that's it, and make something happen of it. I don't know. <laughs> and if there's anything else specific you want to talk about, we can do that as well. So. Okay. Well, great. Have a good evening.
Yes, uh, before you hang up, I'm just going to end the recording, and then we're going to talk a little more about next time we do a show. Okay. And so, all right, guests, uh, thanks for showing up. And uh, for those who showed up late, you, you missed a good conversation. Come on back and um, listen to it again. You would be very surprised. So, so okay.